It's really a very shocking gospel passage. It should shake us up a little bit. The only thing that's not shocking in this one is when Jesus says, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. That one, we did not need divine intervention or we didn't need God to reveal that to us in any way. We know that one. Jesus talks about division. Ironically, he talks about division because he is getting at unity, ultimately. And so, to understand what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about himself really being the center of existence. And if our fidelity to him does not supersede our fidelity to even our family members... He probably chose family here because that's our greatest loyalty, generally speaking, is, is to our family. It's who we have the most love for in a, in a very natural and good way. But he probably uses that example because that, in human terms, is about as high as love and affection and loyalty gets. And he's saying you have to be even more loyal to me than to your own family. That's shocking. To a certain extent. He says he'll be the cause of division. But to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to understand what a biblical worldview looks like and what we understand a human being to be and where we're at right now in human history. And so we believe as Christians, if if, if we were to read the scriptures, all 73 books in the Bible that beginning in the book of Genesis, there was a fall that really messed things up. And it caused disorder and chaos to extend in a very unhelpful way in the world. It was not God's plan A. God did not plan for us to sin in the beginning. But the original sin is a part of who we are as human beings. We are broken, and we have a propensity to do things that are not in our best interest. We call that sin. And the propensity to do those sins is called concupiscence. We have like a pull, almost towards selfishness, and isolation. And so, Jesus talks about many times that the world itself, the world that we as human beings occupy, is not governed and ruled by God. It's governed and ruled by who he calls the prince of this world. And the prince of this world is very often attributed to the same animal, the serpent, who was there in the garden, who was the initial cause of sin and division, the tempter, the accuser. And so we live in this broken world that is under the control of the prince of this world. And we we can't break free by ourselves. And so Jesus came. God became a human being to set us free. That's what the crucifixion is. And so as Jesus is talking here, he says, 
I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized. And how great is my anguish until it's accomplished. The baptism. Jesus' baptism is his death and resurrection and ultimately the Pentecost so that he could send his Holy Spirit upon us. And that's what he's talking about. And so, to just consider how special this, this verbiage is that Jesus uses, it's probably helpful to put our, our minds or our imaginations in the context of, of the desire that Jesus has. So if we think about, like I said earlier, probably our, our greatest amount of human affection that we have and our, our greatest capacity to love, it's probably for our children, first and foremost. It's probably the greatest love that exists is, is for a parent, for their child. And so we think about all that energy and that love for our children that we have. And if we can just put ourselves in that space and, and we can imagine that times a billion or a trillion, that's the passion that Jesus has for us. And it's like this desire that he's describing, his own interior life right here. So Jesus says a lot of things throughout the Gospels, but he doesn't often talk about his interior life, his own desires, his own movements of heart. There's a few chapters in the Gospel of John, the Last Supper, chapters 13 through 17, and then I would say this passage where Jesus describes what's going on in here, inside of him. And this is what he describes. Anguish until the accomplishment of the fire, his own spirit that he wants to dwell in us, which will be a cause of division. Fire is the image Jesus uses for his own love and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire is unquenchable without water it's very often uncontrollable fires are an issue in dry places we cannot control them they consume they give light they give heat they are the opposite of static fire doesn't say the same at all just constantly moving hopping around It's interesting that Dante, in the great Inferno, the Divine Comedy, is probably the greatest poem ever written, when he's describing hell, interestingly, he doesn't describe Satan in this this bath of fire. We think of hell, we think of flames, we think of fire, we think of burning. Dante describes Satan as actually at the very pit of hell, and he's frozen. He's completely frozen. He can't, he can't move at all. This is the opposite of fire. It's static. It's self-enclosed. And it's selfish. It can't think outside itself. What Jesus calls us to, kind of the practical takeaway here, is to allow the fire to consume us. Jesus is trying to shock us here. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. In the book of Revelation, Jesus talks about spitting out the lukewarm. 
the world and the things of this world who belong to the prince of this world very much make our hearts cold. They have a propensity when we're attached to material and worldly things, honor, power, pleasure, wealth. We create these own little comfort universes, our own little paradise on earth that eventually just freeze our hearts and we don't have a fire and a love for God. Our hearts become lukewarm, very cold. God does not want that. He wants the fire alive and he wants us to be docile to the fire, to allow his own fire to consume us and overtake us. And so, just one last image here. It's very interesting that we in the modern world, in such a wealthy time, the wealthiest time in human history with the most comforts that we have ever had, our standards for living, as I often have mentioned in other homilies, are higher than kings and queens a hundred years ago for just the average American. We live in this time where we could behave however we want. We could do whatever we want. The world is for us. And yet we are miserable. We have a happiness problem, as it's called. We have a meaning crisis. We are more depressed, more anxious, more isolated than we ever have been in human history. That's what all the statistics say. Contrast that with the opposite. Someone who's taken themselves out of the world. This past week we celebrated the feast of St. Clair of Assisi. She formed this group, which was the feminine side of the Franciscans, and they started this life of a cloistered monastery. So you have these women, still to this day, we have a, a cloister in Minooka, a little bit south of us, and these women live in this very strict circumstance where they deny themselves intentionally many of the comforts and pleasures that we all regularly receive on a daily basis. And they give their life over to the contemplation of God, the service of one another, and really pray. They're not watching television endlessly. They don't look at their phones. And these women are ecstatically joyful. There are many young women who are still joining this life, and, and men too. There's, there's men who live this way as well. You see, the fire of God is very real and very powerful. It brings us alive. It helps us to become who we're meant to become. It helps us to experience heaven on earth. Jesus, we ask you to help us to not be lukewarm in our affection for the things of God and eventually disdainful of the things of God. Help us to have an appetite for spiritual things. If we are, if our hearts are cold right now and we see prayer and worship as shackles, and as painful, please warm our hearts. Teach us how to be in relationship with you. Send your fire within us and help us to be contemplatives, even as we're active on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Send your fire upon us. Help that fire to consume us. Allow the fire to grow day by day and help it to spread. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.